Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Through Nick and Thin. The podcast where we watch every Nicolas Cage movie in chronological order so that you don't have to. I'm your host, my name is Steve. Joining me, as always, is my lovely co-host, the dancing queen herself, Hannah Martin. You were just doing a little shimmy while you while i was doing that introduction how are you this week hannah i'm good i was thinking about our theme song in my head oh that's why you were doing the shimmy every the week little. i think about Nicholas. it oh Nicholas Cage shit. i'm so happy that kesha released that song because we love it it's so great i feel like we haven't addressed it in a while we have not and we cannot make money from this podcast because we are using a clip of her song without her permission so i don't want to make money from this anyway. no i, I no. this is this is for fun pure joy of watching nicholas cage movies however this week's episode is sponsored by <laughs> is it what is that company called that reached out to us oh it was like shave your balls or something <laughs> yeah it was like one word shave your balls and it was... they reached out on Instagram and asked if they could promote on our platform. But they had like four followers <laughs> and it was just not something we were comfortable doing. Is that, any, a... of, is that any of you guys messing with us? I, right. <laughs> Set aside the whole we can't actually promote anything legally on this podcast. I don't think I'd want to promote something that has like six followers and is called at shave my balls. It had it had a lot of I don't think that's true. Can you take a look now? I can look. I'm curious. It's like a, it seemed like a real company. OK, it's called smooth my balls and at they, smooth my balls. At, and they have four hundred and seventy thousand followers, which is more than five. And it's more than we have. What I was thinking of is that they have 12 posts. So that's what I was thinking <laughs> is that they're they seem to be a young company. <laughs> And uh, young, young people listen to our podcast. So it's the and and people who need their balls to be smooth. To listen, sure, listen. sure. I imagine we have a predominantly male listenership, although some of your f- female friends listen. So I don't know. I feel like all of the the. No, I guess not. It's pretty split. I'm sure I think, all actually. of our listeners have someone in their life that wants smoother balls. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> wow, we haven't even talked about the movie we're watching yet we this week. We told you what movie we watched this oh, week. Oh, we need to get into it. Should Let's we take just, all that out? Uh, no, we'll leave, I don't know how I'm going to cut it, so we'll leave some of that in. I hope you enjoyed that little, that little aside. Yeah, we watched a movie called 211 this week, and uh-huh. I assume it's pronounced 211 and not 211 or 211 but i don't i don't really know 211 is the police code for a bank robbery i believe and so this movie is about a small town cop nicholas cage who is on the brink of retirement his son-in-law is his partner for some reason that seems like that something that wouldn't actually happen in real life Mm -hmm. uh but he and his partner and several other local cops have to stop international terrorists who we learn (laughs) way too much about there's also a teenager involved who's definitely 30 years old we'll talk about all of that but it's basically a bank heist movie oh there's lots to unpack with this one so let's get into it and we're gonna start this podcast not with a long tirade about smooth my balls but rather (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with Hannah giving us some background information on this movie, starting with 
some numbers and facts and figures from this flick. What do you got? <laughs> 211 or 211, however we've decided to pronounce it, was released in 2018. It has a 4.4 out of 10 on IMDb and a 4% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, look, I mean, right from the first scene, we don't see Nicolas Cage in the first scene, but it's just so poorly directed. <laughs> it is high school level directing this movie. There's a few reasons why. Okay, I would love to hear about those in a moment, but this movie's real bad, but it's not like, it's not unwatchable. I think you'll get a lot of enjoyment out of this movie. <laughs> um, I don't know how much the budget was. Sure. And then it was never released in theaters, so <laughs> really it didn't go make any money at the box office. Yeah. This is definitely a movie that, like, you're at Walmart, and you pass by the big box with the sorted DVDs, just like mm-hmm. not sorted in any type of way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you, you know, you reach down, you dig in and you pull up this one and it's 2-1-1. Is that Nicolas Cage? I'm not buying this shit. And then you throw it. See, I assumed that you were going to say you pull up a random DVD box and it's one of those sets of movies of four movies that <laughs> like are not four cop movies th- that are not in an actual series but they're just four nicholas cage movies so you're like yeah nicholas cage is good i'll give one of these movies a try it's 211 rage drive angry and joe and, and you're like okay sure one of these has to be good and you start alphabetically with 211 because that starts with the numbers and then you immediately throw this in the trash not knowing that joe is an actually good movie that's my tirade. How you doing? I'm good. Okay. <laughs> this movie was directed by a man named York Shackleton, who has what primarily directed documentaries. And then it's also... <laughs> That's why this one seemed like it was such real life. I know you'll get it to... It was so realistic. It was so realistic. That's why. It makes sense. And it's also based based on a screenplay by York Shackleton, who has primarily directed documentaries, but actually written screenplay by John Rebus, who has no other credits on anything. Who is this guy? I think he's, I think he's just like York's buddy. <laughs> I just imagine the two of them... He's just some buddy sitting at a bar and being like, oh, then it'd be so cool if this building explodes. And they go, oh, yeah, that would be cool. And then they just go like, let's get... Wait, do you think that they didn't know each other? That they were just two two guys at a bar? And, and, you know, uh, John turns to York and he's like, hey, what do you do? And York's like, well, I primarily uh, direct documentaries, but I'm looking to get into an action movie. In fact, I'm writing the screenplay. You want to take a look at it? And John says, oh, let me adapt that for you. And that's how that happened. And he adapts it with the worst dialogue and... (laughs) Just beats that they're like, uh, we'll figure it out on the day. <laughs> I have nothing to say. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What else you got? This movie was entirely filmed in Bulgaria, despite... Bulgaria? <laughs> despite it taking place in a small town in Massachusetts. Chesterford, Massachusetts. Something like that. Yeah. A I fake am- town in Massachusetts. Um, Nothing was filmed in the United States. It was entirely in Bulgaria, which is very obvious by the fact that they're on a United States highway. And there's like a goof that I also realized when we were oh. watching the movie and all of the cars have European license plates. 
Yeah, we also said several times, why is everything vaguely Eastern European? <laughs> because it is. It's They're... not vague. It's it's, it's overtly. <laughs> this is like Nick Cage's third movie that he's filmed in Bulgaria. It's really what? cheap. Yeah, okay. He did what? He did uh, Ghost Rider 2 in mm-hmm. Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. and he did... What was the other one? The major one? Oh, The Dying of the Light. He did part partially in Eastern Europe. Yes. Yeah. Well, that was supposed to be there. I guess, yeah. Ghost Rider wasn't, and no. this certainly wasn't. No. I mean, the first scenes in Afghanistan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's a whole I have a lot thing. more to say, though. Okay, please. Go ahead. Um, so this movie was originally slated for theatrical release only in the <laughs> Netherlands oh, in boy. June of 2018. Um, and then it went straight to DVD in July of 2018. They made the decision to pull it from the theaters. But this movie was filmed in, in between February and April of 2018. So it's a very quick turnaround. They finished, they wrapped filming in April, uh-huh. and then they were going to release it two months later <laughs> in June. No wonder there's no, like directing style or anything. There's no, it's well, this like. This guy's never done anything before. Yeah. He's only done documentaries. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was produced by Millennium Films, which Steve noted I, that yeah. he found that to be familiar. Uh-huh. And the reason that you find that to be familiar is because we've seen it now six times. What? <laughs> what a, do you have? Do you have? A I list? do. This Give is Nicholas Cage's sixth collaboration with the production company Millennium Films. The first being Wicker Man. Huh. The second being Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. Uh-huh. The third being Drive Angry. <laughs> okay. The fourth being Trespass. Okay. And the fifth being stolen, not to be confused with taken. Right. <laughs> Those are some bad movies. Um, Trespass was fine, but it, I think I think Drive Angry is probably the best movie of all of those. No, uh, Wicker, Wicker, Man, Wicker Man, is Wicker Man, the best yeah, movie. yeah. But Drive <laughs> no, Angry no. is Drive Angry is actually the best movie. No, Drive Angry is another one of those so bad it's good movies. It's similar to Wicker Man in that regard. I think Drive Angry takes itself less seriously than Wicker That's Man does. true. That's true. <laughs> Christ. Um, this movie, <laughs> believe it or not, is based on a true story. <laughs> Such bullshit. No, it's not. It is inspired by yeah. a uh, loosely based, um, inspired by the 1997 North Hollywood bank robbery shootout, which actually there's a lot of information about online. It was a shootout between the LAPD and two heavily armed bank robbers. The perps were habitual offenders of real estate scams and shoplifting, so they were not international They're terrorists. not international terrorists. <laughs> They're not rogue marines. They're they not... had no ties to <laughs> any type of terrorist organization. And they robbed a bank in North Hollywood. Uh, yeah. Not in Chesterford, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. <laughs> no. And the director is a former documentarian uh-huh. who knows how to capture real life events. Yeah, well, no officers or bystanders were killed in Everybody fucking <laughs> real dies life, in this. and everyone dies in this. 18 people were injured, and then the two robbers were killed. I would say, conservatively, 18 people died in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I, I read that it was loosely based on something, mm-hmm. which kind of gave me some relief a little bit when I first read that because I was like, okay, like, this story makes no sense. Right. So maybe... <laughs> 
maybe just maybe the story in real life also doesn't make any sense and they were like well we just have to go with it but no everything was so fabricated the only thing that was the same was that there was a shootout at a at at a bank that's so stupid have i told you or have i said on this podcast before how much it annoys me the movie uh the strangers or strangers it's just it's I don't a, know that one. it's a similar like home invasion spooky type movie that mm-hmm. came out out around Halloween. Spook. And Say it's spooky. Somewhere. I love the word spooky. <laughs> um, anyway, it says based on or inspired by true events. When really the true event is that the director heard a strange knock on his door one time <laughs> late at night. People did not invade his home. So anyway, wow. that type of thing bothers me when it's inspired by true events. Unless it's intentionally ham-fisted like it is in the movie Dodgeball, which is the tagline is inspired by true events. All right. Enough about the behind the scenes plot nonsense. I'll talk about Nick Cage. Nick Cage (laughs) did the most and somehow broke his ankle while filming. Wow. So he was out for two weeks and they still (laughs) wrap this up in time to deliver two months after the filming ended yeah no reshoots unbelievable and there weren't a ton of scenes where it was like why is he sitting down when everyone else is standing up sometimes they try to hide that kind of thing there also weren't a ton of scenes with him in it so perhaps they needed to write some like extra plot points in order to get around the fact that they were (laughs) they for sure didn't have their star for two weeks oh we'll talk about those scenes coming up because there's plenty of those. There's so much nonsense in this. <laughs> oh, my God. This is um, not Nick's favorite movie that he's Oh, made. really? <laughs> Does he talk about how much he loves the spirit of the independent film? No, I didn't get... A, I couldn't find an interview with him, but I did find, like, a few words that he said. And he basically, he didn't like the final cut, and he described the movie as, quote-unquote, disappointing. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty bold. That's pretty... Yeah. I wonder if he had to sign a non-disparagement clause for this well, one. He, well, clearly he didn't. Clearly he didn't, yeah. <laughs> so so I mentioned that this movie originally was supposed to be a theatrical release. And then they right, decided yeah. to just release it to DVD. The last theatrical release that, it has, that was registered on like theatrical box office charts was 2017's Vengeance, A Love Story. That was the last one that he did six movies ago. Whoa. All the other done... ones were just straight to DVD. Really? Like even Mandy was straight to DVD. Wow. Or I mean, I think they perform- they presented uh, it at a film, film festival. Film festival, right? You said Cannes Film Festival. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But that's it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So he did like, what did you say? Five, six movies in a row? Six. And I'm really excited that we haven't mentioned this yet. What's that? This is Nick's third collaboration with the one, the only, <laughs> Weston Cage Coppola, Coppola Cage, whatever you want to call him. His son, Weston. His son, yeah. His eldest son. His eldest son. He performed music in quite a few of his films, but he yeah. was an actor in The Lord of War and he was an actor in Rage. He played his younger he, self. Yes. Yeah. Even though he wore a ski mask the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it didn't matter that it was actually him. Right, right. Yeah, no, he has a prominent role in this movie. But as you mentioned, unfortunately, very few, if any, I don't think there were any scenes no between father between and son. Them. But you know what? I'm sure they had a blast hanging out in Bulgaria together. Oh, hell yeah. Going Just out. living it up. I was going to say going out and painting the town every night, but doesn't Weston Cage have a drug problem? I or believe so, yes. Yeah. yes. So they probably 
Hopefully they called it early nights and, you know, I mean, they were working. Just and hanging out and drinking milk together. Hanging out drinking milk. <laughs> smoking. Living, living their best Bulgarian lives. Yeah. Smoking some Movie hookah. cigars. Movie movie cigarettes that they're, that they're smoking. Smoking hookah and drinking milk. Ew. <laughs> lovely, lovely memories for a father and a son. Yeah. Don't yeah. you do that with your father? All the time. We have a standing hookah milk date <laughs> the third Thursday of every month. <laughs> never miss it never even during the pandemic we would zoom each other <laughs> with a big glass of milk nice cold 16 pint 16 ounce pint glass of milk and a nice hot hookah nice hot hookah the little coals what flavor goes best with milk <laughs> cookies <laughs> does, that, does that exist uh, probably, probably. <laughs> that's all i got okay great <laughs> So the, when Hannah signals the end of her segment, that means we get to talk about this movie, Nick Cage Scene by Nick Cage Scene. So like I said, there's a lot to unpack in this movie. And, I and guess, most of it doesn't include Nicholas Cage. No, because he's actually doing fine in this movie, I think. There are some moments that we have to bring up, of course. <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, we'll we'll discuss it as we get to it. I'll, I'm curious your thoughts on certain things, but this movie opens up on like 20 minutes of these international terrorists. It's not Nicolas Cage, and we get way too much background information. There's so much exposition and so many characters that never return. No, well, they all half of them die. <laughs> so like it's this terrorist organization finds this banker who's stealing money and hiding it in cash (laughs) in different banks around the world around the world and he said name one bank in the u.s and he's like chesterford massachusetts first unity bank and there's a million dollars there and they're like all right we'll steal it our way and then they kill this guy they're in afghanistan why are they in afghanistan (laughs) stealing american money and dispersing it throughout the world i don't why do they have to be in afghanistan (laughs) why did any of those scenes have to exist why couldn't they just be bank robbers why couldn't they just be like bank robbers in the small town and they're like oh this small town gets their their shipment of cash by the armed you know guards from the whatever truck yeah every thursday yeah let's let's go this could be a simple bank heist movie, but they made it about international terrorism. And I think part of the reason is because <laughs> of the woman. they have to introduce a female lead to this movie. And so they introduce... Why this... couldn't she have just been the partner, the next partner? Why couldn't, why well, couldn't they Well, we'll just get to that. <laughs> but, but so this is Agent Rosie or Rosie or something from Interpol, the international police, who nobody ever takes seriously ever because she's a well-dressed woman. Mm -hmm. I don't really fully understand that. There's some like loosely veiled sexism and racism in this movie. I don't think it's loose at all. (laughs) I don't think it's veiled. I think it's just sexism and racism. I think the director's trying to make a statement or two (laughs) and just tripping over himself. I'm assuming York is a man's name, but I don't know for sure. it's a guy. So... Yeah, okay. So, do we set up next the kid, or do we set up Nicolas Cage's life? Uh, his daughter? Yeah, his life. Yeah, Not, I set didn't... up his life okay. and right. his extended family. Okay. And then so, we'll talk about the kid. Nicolas Cage, <laughs> we learn, is a cop on the brink of retirement in Chesterford, Massachusetts. 
where <laughs> we keep changing every- the name of the stuff. No, I've said Chesterford every time because oh. I've got it written down right here. I thought it was like North Vale or something. No, you said loosely veiled racism, and that's oh, what you're yeah, thinking Vail. of Vale. Yeah. I thought it was North something. Uh, North. Nope. North. Chesterford? Chester being on the name. I wrote it down, so. I mean, I believe you, but. But you I don't, don't, so you're going to look it up on your <laughs> iPad right now while I continue talking. So he's on the brink of retirement, and we learn that his wife had cancer, and as soon as she got cancer, he left the family in some regard, like an asshole. But we learn that through really poor dialogue with his. Between his daughter and her husband. His son-in-law. But here's the problem with that. And we we learn a lot. And we also learn that his daughter is pregnant. And that she's okay with her husband being a cop. And she's like, just always come home to me. Come home and be safe and all that stuff. But here's the thing. They show Nicolas Cage on an extended shot. Then they immediately cut to the couple. Let's just call them the couple. At their house. But they zoom in on the man first. Then they pan over to several picture frames, including Nicolas Cage, the man we've just seen, and a mystery woman. And you go, oh, this must be Nicolas Cage's son. Because they're both cops. Because he's putting on his cop uniform in this scene. The son is putting on a cop uniform in this scene. And it makes sense. Okay, so he's got, a, he's got an adult son. And then... That's it, not his own son, who's also in who's this also movie. Who's also in this movie. Yeah, right. I guess it could have been. But Weston was not a strong enough actor to carry that role. Oh, definitely not. But my point is that a better director would know that an audience, when you cut from one person to another, like you make the relationship between those two individuals. And the relationship is that he's his son-in-law, not his son. So they should have cut to the daughter instead of to the son. In law. Sex sexism? <laughs> Likely sexism. <laughs> that one is a little bit more thinly veiled. There's so much more. I mean, it's it's the Agent Rosie stuff where she shows up and she's like, I'm from Interpol. I've been tracking these international terrorists like, for weeks. Toots, and they're like, go. listen, Toots, I got the mayor up my ass. And it's like, are you fucking she's kidding from me? A, she's like, I'm from the literal international police force. Yeah. And you are a a small town. What is it called again? I already forget. Chesterford. Chesterford. Yeah, I confirmed. Oh, oh thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so that's Nicolas Cage's family dynamic, as well as I think we mentioned earlier, his son-in-law is his partner, like as a co- which I don't think is appropriate. I have, no. I don't know. It seems like a conflict of interest. You would think, right? You would you would think that like for the daughter's sake. You'd split those two people up. Right, in case they both die. <laughs> right, in case and then they she both is get, no next of kin. Uh, in case they both get attacked by international terrorists. Here we are. <laughs> Anywho. So that's those guys, right? We've we've set up a little bit about Agent Rosie. There's so many characters in we, this. We've set up Nicolas Cage, the son-in-law and the daughter, the pregnant daughter. <sighs> All right. Should we talk about the, the bank owner? <laughs> The bank, they set up, they set up the bank owner. We don't need to set up the bank owner. He's just some big guy who's also vaguely Eastern European. I guess he's Bulgarian. And he like loves his wife and that's all we know. He gets shot in the she's, head later. She, 
she's very Eastern European. She's incredibly Eastern European. She's like, come home and have some baba ganoush. Oh I, don't, I don't know what she said, but it's something stereotypically Bulgarian. <laughs> I'd have to look it up for you to confirm. We don't need to harp on these guys any more than that. No, but I just imagine watching this movie and, and just being introduced to all these characters that you think are like there's going to be a confluence of events that everyone's right. going to meet. Right. <laughs> none of them meet each other it really bothered me that in the first i would say 30 minutes of this movie they introduced 20 minutes were in afghanistan i know but in the first 30 maybe 40 oh my god they introduced so many people and none of them ever mentioned a bank (laughs) except the bank owner except the bank owner the bank owner said like all right i've got to get to work at the bank and i like breathed a sigh of relief because because what we expected was like everyone was going to need to be at the bank together which isn't how the events play out but that would have been way better no absolutely (laughs) it would make way more sense but talk about the kid i think okay yeah because i'll save the best for last then and in the characters i want to set up prior to the major events of this movie but the kid (laughs) who who, don't worry about it i'll I'll surprise (laughs) you Uh, so so the kid is like this 30 year old dude i don't know how old he actually is but he looks much older so he's playing a high school student and we see him walk into what apparently is the senior's bathroom so he's not even a senior and he looks at himself in the mirror, videotapes himself and being like, what are you even doing with your life? Like really existential for what is likely a 16 or 17 year old. Although yeah. I guess I was also existential. <laughs> dramatic. To that degree. I, I guess dramatic is, is the word I'm looking for at that age. He's like, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. Not referencing what this actually, not understanding what this is actually referencing. Then these three bullies come in and they start holding his head under a toilet so he leans back and he pops the one kid in the face and right then a teacher comes in and the teacher says well you know you punched the kid in the face so that's Mm -hmm. bullying we don't tolerate bullying of any kind so you're gonna get expelled and then his mom comes in and has a talk with the principal and the the principal's like well Well, your only two options are you have two options for your son to be a ride-along in the back of a cop car so that he can learn what it's like to be a criminal or for your son to be expelled. <laughs> Those are the only two. We're not going to give him the benefit of the doubt. We're not going to look at his previous record, even though he never has done anything violent before. Nope. Those are his two options. So you got to pick one. You know what works really well in the school environment? It's really strict <laughs> black and whites because, you know, that's... Not to mention that he is black. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't even... I wasn't even thinking of it. But yes, there is racial undertones yeah. there because... He is a black kid. All the bullies were white. Yeah. And all of the the school staff are white as well. And of course, his mother is is black. But but, I mean, these these, like no areas of gray for for moments like this. That's what really helps kids in times of struggle (laughs) is a lack of leniency. I mean, yeah, this it didn't make it. They needed no. they needed to figure out a way to get the kid yeah. with the cops. They barely hired enough people who can do an American accent. <laughs> They're not going to hire a child psychologist to be like, do we have this school scene right? <laughs> so I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Um, the last people that I want to set up, right? So we've set up Agent Rosie. We've set up Nick and his family. We've set up uh, the kid. We've set up the bank owner, unfortunately. We haven't even set though. up the robbers yet. 
The robbers, they're just, we did, sort of. There's four men. There's four dudes. Two of them are Eastern European. Two of them are... I think they're supposed to be all American. Oh. One is definitely Eastern European. Yeah. One is doing a really strong Boston accent. Uh, yeah. One is Nick Cage's son. Yeah. <laughs> and the other... Has a beard. Made no impression on me whatsoever. <laughs> they're unimportant. The last people I do want to actually set up are the other cops. No, can you not? Not, not <laughs> Nicolas Cage or his son-in-law. No. But there's like four or five other cops who I think are some of the worst actors I've ever seen in my entire life. There is this <laughs> female cop who is like just so like she doesn't know where to put her eyes in every scene. She doesn't know where to look. Okay, so if you're familiar with our Instagram page, last year for 4th of July, oh, we yeah. made a remake of the National Treasure trailer. Mm-hmm. And we had a really good time doing it. It took us a very long time. It took us an entire weekend, yeah. in fact, yeah. to make that. And it was a, a real labor of love, but I think it was worth the effort. Okay. What Steve and I would like to do <laughs> is remake some of the scenes from this piece of shit movie is... so that you could truly understand without having to watch it yourself since oh, yeah. we're doing this so that you don't have to watch all yeah. the Nick Cage movies. How bad the actors actually were. There is a scene later in a hospital, which <laughs> I think might be the worst scene ever committed to film. The whole scene start to end. It's brutal. It's so hilariously bad. And I've seen Manos the Hands of Fate. Christ. <laughs> um well I guess we'll we'll discuss that. But but the female cop weighs in prominently there because she got shot at some point and she's just like I don't even remember what she says, but Oh, she goes like, Oh, there was a kid the the ride along. Uh like there's this doctor who pulls his phone out and oh, it's. We'll, we'll get to those. I don't know how to explain it more than that, but we'll get to that, I guess. Anyway, anyway, yeah. So anyway, stay tuned. We we might if we if we find some free time in the next couple weeks, we might oh yeah. go back and watch some of these scenes and and remake this for you. Yeah, I especially want to portray that doctor. I know. <laughs> I would love to be that female cop. She does a thing later where they're all getting ready because they have to go respond to the bank robbery and they're all grabbing their guns and she grabs two guns and like looks at them both and nods and like it's such a brief little moment but it's so funny I, hold on continue with the plot and i'm gonna figure out who she is and what else she's done and nothing is the answer <laughs> She's done I want nothing. to know more about her. All right, fair Continue. enough. Continue. So, I mean, there's really not much to discuss in terms of the plot, uh, <laughs> except that, I guess, so Nicolas Cage and the son-in-law, of course, they have the ride-along. Uh, they inherit this kid, Kenny, who they consistently call him by name. They don't say, like, hey, man, or, like, hey, the you. Kid. Hey, or kid. The <laughs> yeah, they call him Kenny always, and I love it. I'm here for it. Uh, also, the son-in-law's Boston accent goes in and out. It's really bad. The cops end up with the ride Nick Cage and, and his son-in-law. They end up pulling, uh, responding to a petty theft where Nicolas Cage has his first minor scream. Do it now. What did I do, man? That's what we're going to find out. Just do what he tells you. As he's instructing uh, this guy who who is accused of theft to 
you know, put his hands on his head or something along those lines. After that moment, the the cops and the kid, Nicolas Cage, his son, and the kid decide to stop off for some coffee. They see a guy illegally parked in front of the bank, and of course, it is the international terrorists. But while the international terrorists are robbing the bank, they're getting suspicious that the cop car is across the parking lot getting some coffee. It just happens to be there. Cop car comes over. Nicolas Cage is like, let's see, because these guys are parked illegally. It'll be a nice, easy thing to show this kid that crime doesn't pay. But the international terrorists have previously rigged a restaurant to explode on the other side of town so that they all of the cops will be distracted as well as the SWAT team. You've got a look on your face. What do you have about this woman? Is this her? Who is this? <laughs> oh shit. I remember that. Hold on. That's Amanda Cerny, right? Yeah. She's not in that's not She's in this movie. I I Is re- that character's name Sarah? How do you know who this person is? She's an Instagram hoe. She has 35 million followers across YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Yeah, she's one of those girls who's very attractive. She's from Pittsburgh. And she's only kind of funny, so therefore men think she's hilarious. I think that's her. (laughs) Are you kidding me? I I don't know. I'd have to see again to check. Hold on, hold on. Let me try and find like a plot summary on wikipedia and see if they refer to her as sarah ah okay she, it doesn't look like her in the movie though that's not at she all. looks like hispanic or something in the movie yeah wouldn't you think that she would have like officer something as her name not just sarah yeah who is sarah who who hold on maybe there's like a youtube compilation because she's like a famous person of her in this movie I mean, and then we could figure out who she is. Wait, people are saying that she was supposed to be in it, but no one saw her. They must have cut her scenes. Okay, okay. so it's not. Okay, good. That's not her. Thank goodness. Who, who is? It does not matter. <laughs> She's done nothing. She's made no impression she? on the internet. How am I going to cut this? I do not know. I think you keep it. In. <laughs> All the dead air. No, I mean. There's like no other woman. No, that's what I mean. <laughs> other it's, than like it's the daughter. So confusing. Yeah. The waitress gets a. I know. A nod. Maybe she's Jamieson. No, that's Jeff. <laughs> All right. Sorry, I really derailed. <laughs> <laughs> so it is not Amanda Cerny, although she's credited in this movie on IMDb. I don't think it's her. They cut all of her scenes, apparently. Yeah. I don't know who this woman is. No. She made no impression on Hollywood or Founder. the internet. Founder. Her name is Sapir Azule. And she is an Israeli-born entrepreneur, actress, and model. Gotcha. She's a bad actress. Yes. But she's been in more things than I expected her to have been in. All right. That solves that mystery there for you. <laughs> so yeah (laughs) where were we they blew up a restaurant these terrorists blew up a restaurant 
as a diversion. So now only a few cops are there, really just Nicolas Cage, his son-in-law, and fucking Kenny (laughs) (laughs) trying to hold the road against these international terrorists with Uzis. Just before all of that, I do want to mention that Nicolas Cage and Kenny had a nice little we're not so different, you and I, moment, because mm-hmm. Kenny explained everything that happened at school because Nicolas Cage and his son-in-law were being incredibly harsh to Kenny. They just assume that he's a delinquent. Yeah, and Nicolas Cage says several times throughout this movie, he goes, oh, you know, kids these days on their cell phones, now everybody's got a camera, you used to be able to do whatever you want. And Kenny's like, so you used to, like, beat people, like, even though they didn't deserve it? And he's like, yeah, it was great. Like, like that's a legit scene that happened. Uh-huh. And I, I don't know Nick what Cage's that does character for... says that a couple times. About the cell phones, yeah. Well, about, like, just today versus yeah. back then. Like, he was saying to his son-in-law, you know, he's like, thank God I'm retiring soon because being a cop now is so much harder than than before because you got all these eyes on you and you used to be able to do whatever you wanted now like everyone's really critical of you yeah it's like yikes well that's not exactly good to hear (laughs) um so so is that like another instance of this director like trying to make a point right what is his point his (laughs) point is his point that like cell phones are ruining good police officers i doubt it so here's the situation, right? I kind of stumbled over the, uh, how to explain this, uh, this moments plot. ago, this plot moments ago. <laughs> but you got four terrorists. Three of them are inside the bank. They're working with the hostages. They're getting the money into the bags. And you got one guy in the car outside keeping an eye on things. So the guy on, outside keeping an eye on things sees that the cops are getting too close. They start having a shootout between Nicolas Cage and this other cop who's got this big bushy beard. Or, I'm sorry, this other terrorist who's got this big bushy beard. So these two are just sh- exchanging shots at each other until it gets to a point where they exchange shots to the leg. The terrorist gets a shot in the leg and the son-in-law gets a shot in the leg. But it must have hit his femoral artery because this guy's bleeding out. Yeah. And there are a ton of screams in this scene. Oh. And I will play several of them for you here. They're relying a lot on Kenny here. They're asking <laughs> They're a lot. They're putting a lot on this poor kid. Yeah, that last one, you die and I'll fucking kill you, twist it tight, Kenny. Uh, that is mere seconds after he grabs his son-in-law by the face and he screams that into his face as he's dying and bleeding out in front of him uh they do get some medical and backup but of course like i said all of the cops in the area were distracted by the bomb going off in the restaurant so everybody's like an hour late we find later because they were dealing with that the son-in-law gets carted away and you see nicholas cage has to make the call to his daughter-in-law and he he phones it in most literally he phones it in more (laughs) ways than one so i wrote down a note here hannah on my next page Uh that's just that's not how phones work times two the first the first (laughs) instance of that's not how phones work is kenny gets separated from the cops and the medics when they come to their rescue (laughs) 
and he jumps into the back of a car. Kenny then, reaching for his cell phone that all kids have on them these days. Gosh, they're just ruining society's cell phones. His cell phone is dead, so he decides that he needs to charge his cell phone. <laughs> but there are no keys in the car. There's a cell phone charger in the car, but there's no keys. So This is a random car he's in, by the way. Random he, ass like, car. He found some random car in this parking lot that was open. Yep. So he could have a place to hide because yep. he got separated from Nick Cage when they were like trying to safely carry the son-in-law away. Yep. So Kenny rips apart a doll that has a 9-volt battery. I was going to say a D battery or 9-volt. It's battery. a 9-volt battery. Yeah. He grabs the car charger, rubber bands a house key to it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then plugs one piece of the car charger and the house key into the 9-volt battery and plugs that into his phone. Now, he makes that phone call to call his mom, who works at a hospital. And this is the hospital scene that I, that we've referenced already. But, so, at the hospital, we see the son-in-law has now since made it to the hospital. He's bleeding out, so his wife is there, Nick's daughter. And his mom works at the hospital. She's a nurse or a doctor. Mom. Yeah, Kenny's mom is a, is a thank you, is a, is a doctor or something. So she's got blood all over her hands. She's got gloves and her phone starts to ring. And it's when this terrible, terrible actress that is the, the lady cop goes like, there was a ride along. <laughs> and then like sticks her tongue out and dies or whatever she does. And, and Kenny's mom is just like a ride along and gets a phone call in her pocket and he's like, and she goes, answer the phone for me. So the daughter, Nick Cage's daughter, picks the phone out of her pocket. Doesn't click anything. The phone doesn't light up. And she just holds this dead ass phone to this poor woman's face. And she's like, Kenny, Kenny, can you hear me? Mom, I'm in a car. I started up my phone with a 9-volt battery and a key, and it's not going to last very long. And but... you answered it by clicking nothing. So that's not how <laughs> But also, are. I'm uh, in the middle of a shootout here, yeah. and the cops are looking for me. And instead of making my one call that I probably have enough juice, uh, battery juice for to 911, I'm right. going to call my mommy instead. I mean, like, I guess I can't blame him. Yeah, I get that to some <laughs> level, but you're right. Like, you're in a dire situation, and you've spent all day with two cops. Right. Like, call, call emergency services. And then yeah. be like, I'm Kenny. I am Kenny. <laughs> Hear me roar. Nick, Nick Cage <laughs> is my guy. He's looking for me. Can you call him? Exactly. <laughs> but no. So suddenly it's nighttime back at the scene of the crime where now all of these cops are shooting at all of these terrorists. There's a big shootout and there's a big hostage situation. Like I said, the bank owner gets shot square in the head at some point. Uh, it's not really... Uh, I felt nothing during this scene. I know I was supposed to feel more because they built up the the bank owner, but I really just <laughs> didn't care. Like, oh no, he's not going to be able to have his wife's Baba Ganoush <laughs> Probably going to use Eastern European. I don't even know. So, oh Nick Cage, in the dead of night, <laughs> goes to this pop-up tent that the SWAT team has set up to deal with this hostage situation. And he goes and talks to his commander or his lieutenant or what have you. And at first, he's talking, and he looks kind of nervous. And I'm like, well, I wonder why he's so nervous. I guess it's a nerve-wracking situation. I was like, this is a really interesting acting choice by Nicolas Cage. 
And then it becomes a very predictable acting choice by Nicolas Cage because he says the following. What took you so long? We, we can only get to this active shooter as quick as possible. No, you were, you were an hour late, and we were outgunned. Chandler. And my, and my son is dead! He's dead! He has a child on the way! What took you so long? I don't know if we mentioned, but... Nick Cage's daughter is pregnant. I think we mentioned Did it we offhand at some point earlier. It's not super important. No, but that is context for that scream. Yes. And interestingly, he calls the son-in-law his son. Mm-hmm. He said his son is dead. Mm-hmm. And that should be perhaps one of the things at the core of this movie. What should this movie be about? It should be about family. a relationship. <laughs> about family. But it's just it's not. It's about international terrorism. And it's about the international police force getting a lead on some weaponry yeah. in a warehouse that Steve never even touched on. Um, I, I can't believe you're making me talk about this now. <laughs> no, we don't need to. Okay. Um, and then it's also about the bank robber, like the bank robbers. Yeah. And their relationship with each other and... But not enough that you, like, feel anything for that. No. You know what this movie's about? This movie is about padding for time yeah, because they couldn't get... Nicol- about, like, 89 minutes. <laughs> because they couldn't get Nicolas Cage. For two weeks. For the entire time. Yeah. I love that at some point, so you mentioned sort of the Agent Rosie or Rossi, who is the Interpol agent, and she follows all these clues to figure out who these terrorists are. And then at a certain point, she just sort of gives up and doesn't really do much beyond that. <laughs> because at some point, she's like, she's like, I know how these terrorists work and, and you're going you're, you're gonna to lose a bunch. You're going to lose more men than you think or something. And they're like, listen, toots, we can handle it from here. Yeah, and she's and like, all the, right, whatever. <laughs> the rest of the movie, she just longingly looks at people. There are just <laughs> extended shots on her face looking at people. She doesn't do anything later. Oh well, what she does. Was her, like, she does what? Later, but... Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. you you mentioned it earlier, and the point of her character was just so that there could be a female lead. I think it is. There's like, no other explanation. They, <laughs> fucking Yorkshire pudding, whatever his name is, <laughs> wrote this movie and then went, "Shit, I need a woman who can write for a woman." I know my name, my buddy Josh <laughs> Snub or whatever fucking his name was. Can you write for a woman? Yeah, we'll make her an Interpol agent. I love it. Wait, but why? This movie's about a bank robbery. Oh, well, let's set up this backstory that it takes place in Afghanistan and they're doing some coding in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. It's like horrible swordfish level coding in the beginning. If you've ever seen Swordfish, you know what I'm talking about. It's huge like acting. hacking a database. Oh, it's the worst <laughs> typing on a computer. I've ever swordfish is the worst typing on a computer I've ever seen because they're like they got a gun to his head yeah they got a gun to his head and they're like hack into this mainframe in under 60 seconds and he's just typing he's just blank 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 yeah yeah but this movie contained the second worst hacking scene I've ever seen in a movie and that was in the beginning it was like while the credits were rolling yeah when we saw when we saw Weston Cage's name and we paused it and we looked at each other very excited (laughs) so anyhow he has that big nick cage has that big freak out at his officer and decides that he needs to go rogue because he needs to find kenny kenny's still out there somewhere he finds trying to make more batteries (laughs) yeah kenny's just out there scrounging for scraps (laughs) making a satellite dish out of a penny and a paper clip um he finds kenny 
with the help of another cop who just comes out of nowhere. It, it, like Some Nick, random ass cop. Nick Cage is going after, he's cannon fodder, I guess is what he is ultimately. Nick Cage is going after Kenny. He's going rogue. And then some cop comes up. He's like, you're the senior cop on the force. If you're going to go for him, I'm going with you. Like what should have happened is that Interpol agent should have gone with him. Absolutely. <laughs> but she does nothing at this point in the movie. So this second cop gets shot because the terrorists are now on their way out of the bank. They're trying to make their way out of the bank. Two of them die, but the leading terrorist, the leader of the pack, he was he's able to wiggle his way down the street, comes face to face with Nicolas Cage. He knocks out Nicolas Cage's partner. Uh, Weston Cage dies before this. Weston We've Cage heard, that's does. That's important yeah, to mention. He gets right. he gets lit up right outside the bank. Yeah. So um, this, so the setup is. Nick Cage and Kenny are together behind a car mm-hmm. um, and not hiding well. Nah. And and this terrorist is coming toward them. And then the Interpol agent somehow is like on a perch somewhere watching. <laughs> was she on a perch? <laughs> yeah. I, I was taking she notes. She was like on top of something. Like she had like a vantage point. <laughs> so. She climbed a tree. <laughs> this. This uh, terrorist bank robber guy comes toward them, and he, you, like you said, mm-hmm. he shoots Nick Cage in the leg or something. Nick Cage oh, yeah. goes down, and he's defenseless. And then the other agent that was protecting them, is like something happens to him, and his gun is left there. Yeah. Okay. So there's two cops, right? Right. Okay. So the first cop gets shot. Ah, That's yeah. the first thing that happens. Gotcha. The first cop gets shot and dies. That, oh, he dies? I think so. He's the. That's why I said he's cannon fodder. He's the guy who came out of nowhere. And he was like, I'll help you, Nick Cage. He's there so that he can die. Everyone fucking dies. Exactly. <laughs> so he dies. Okay. Now, then the bank robber shoots Nick Cage in the leg. And Nick Cage goes down. And he runs out of bullets in his main gun. So as the bank robber gets closer, he comes face to face with Nick Cage. Nick Cage is struggling to pull out his sidearm or his, his pistol out of bank his... Bank robber points the gun at Nick Cage. You expect him to shoot... But <laughs> he gets shot, and who comes to the rescue, Han? Who saves the day? Well, two people, in fact. <laughs> Kenny! Kenny saves the day. It's Kenny, but then the Interpol agent from her vantage point yeah. sn- like, Up on the grassy snipes knoll. him in the head after Kenny already shoots him and kills him. Yeah. So she's like trying to take credit for this. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, women, <laughs> this, am I right? This like, 16-year-old boy... Yeah, he just killed just a man. Just killed a terrorist. Yeah, he, he won't have bullies after this. <laughs> He'll have much deeper problems. But yeah, so that's pretty much it. No, we, we have I to I know, <laughs> I know, <laughs> Han. I know. So Nick Cage is in the ambulance with Kenny. His daughter shows up and... Kenny's mom shows up. Kenny's mom shows up and everything's fine. Everything, Everybody's Everyone's figuring happy, shit out. Yeah. yeah. Then it flashes forward to one year later. Nick Cage is jogging through the park. And at some point, the director decided to just grab the camera and start jogging with it. (laughs) And like not on a steady cam kind of rig. He's just, it's bouncing around like someone took it on their iPhone. But Nick Cage walks into a surprise party. Yeah. Okay. So Nick Cage, I'm sorry. So Nick Cage walks into a surprise party for him. I guess it's his birthday. No, it's his retirement party, right? Oh, maybe. That makes more sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it would be a year later. Why wouldn't it just be soon after that? Because he said he was retiring next year. I'd retire sooner after everything that went down. He may not have gotten his pension if he didn't. Uh, maybe not. Anyway, 
I digress. <laughs> Who's at his surprise retirement party but his daughter, his son-in-law who ended up living. Kenny's there. The baby. The baby is there, which is so nice. And Nick Cage enters through the door and there is Kenny. some sort of golden light in this doorway that Nick Cage looks damn near jaundiced. <laughs> he looks at the pictures that we saw in the beginning of the movie of him, his daughter, and his son-in-law on the mantle or whatever, or on the side table. He sees the pictures in the frames of the three of them, and he says the following. I've, I've got it written down. He says, <laughs> Hey, Kenny, where's that phone you're always screwing around with? And then he does like this muscle man, cool guy strut towards the camera. You know, like one of those ones where you're alternating your shoulders back and forth and like really moving your arms as you go. And And the credits cut to black. And the movie's over. Kenny, where's that phone you're always screwing around with? teenager <laughs> but yeah kenny's just at his retirement party like they kept in touch for a year which i think is actually quite nice it's really nice <laughs> i mean they did experience something pretty traumatic together i guess they weren't really together for that long kenny was in a magoobering mm-hmm. himself <laughs> a new phone in a car for like MacGyver. <laughs> i know but magruber is the snl skit um but so one thing we failed to mention, Han, and now that I think about the lighting in that last scene, which was incredibly yellow, <laughs> um, is the set design in this movie. Well, we've already mentioned that everything that is supposed to look like a Massachusetts town <laughs> looks like Eastern Europe. Yeah, it does. And it is so clearly a, a fake town in Eastern Europe mm-hmm. that like the streets are so not... in Sofia, and there's probably some like studio in sofia that they built on like a set which is just a fake you know like a fake town like you would find a warner brothers studio but it's so obvious yeah i mean it it almost looked like like a wild western movie like how fake yeah all like the storefronts are yeah this movie was crap, but it was so much fun. So crazy. So fun. It made no sense. None. The plot was... Over-convoluted. Just, you could not follow it. Oh, brutalist <laughs> one. I don't even think you can follow our recap, no. of course. Just, it's fine. You, you, it's know the the bullet, the you know the bullet points. Yeah. All right, Han, anything else before we get on to our next segment of the show here? No. I, you never <laughs> fully explained your favorite your least favorite scene what the hospital scene (laughs) i forget what he says unfortunately it's already out of my brain but it's such a quick moment where kenny's mom who is like the head nurse or she's she's a doctor or something she's like all right we need to set up these rooms and dr McAllister, can i count on you and he like really slowly picks up his phone and puts his phone near his face and goes like I will do it. <laughs> like, and then that's it. This guy, I. Where did they get this fucking guy? <laughs> Bulgaria. Bulgaria. Sophia. Oh. He's an expat. Unbelievable. <laughs> wow. So that's gonna do it for me. Oh my god. All right, let's do some Nicholas Cage awards. Yeah, first, 
Okay, all right. So when we talk about the supporting actors, I want to ask you a couple questions about Great. the acting qualities of some of the supporting actors. Okay, well, first is best supporting actor. So what do you got? Are we doing that first? Yeah. Um, not best dress? Don't we always do best dress first? Not best dress is second. Oh, excuse me. Um, wh- how did you feel about Weston's performance in this? I mean, it wasn't bad. <laughs> no. It was. It, it wasn't was... memorable either. No, but I think when... None of the four of them were memorable. <laughs> no i wouldn't say so they were four pretty standard white dudes yeah but yeah i don't i wouldn't blame him for anything no yeah their motivation makes no sense yeah i I couldn't follow it (laughs) there wasn't any they're like well the military didn't pay us enough so we're gonna steal millions but it doesn't make it doesn't make sense that it's like we've hidden we've like we've distributed money throughout the world at different banks but it's like it's not like that cash is specifically that like theirs right like they could have gone to any bank and robbed any bank why did it need to be this one well because that was the only name of the bank that they the only bank name that they knew because they killed the dude who knew right but why would they why would they feel the need to steal money that was meant for them I think because the guy... They felt better about that than just stealing random money from a bank? Oh, I see what you mean. Well, because they knew that there would be a million dollars in cash at that bank. I'm sure not every bank holds that much cash. But why would they know that? Because that's what the guy told them. That's not true. The guy just told them that he hid money. Yeah. At ba- it, that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that there's going to be that money in cash. Yeah, we, yeah, that, no, I don't know. That's not how banks work. I don't know. I'm telling you. I know that that's not how banks work. I'm just, I don't know if they said something in this movie to get around that. They didn't. Well, yeah, but you and I, with a movie like this, we have basically one eye on the screen. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I mean, they could have explained it. Sure. Uh, Best supporting actor. Yeah. Kenny. Kenny. Kenny was good. Kenny did a good job. Yeah, you I would. Kenny. I would give it to the son-in-law, but I think he really like hammed up his his like near death experience. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like at the end of Deadpool two, where it's just like, I'm I'm dying now. I'm dying. One last but thing. I'm Let me just say one thing. Really. <laughs> right before I go, I'm just yeah. gonna say one more thing. Okay, here I go. I can feel I'm it. Dying. I'm going. Ooh, oh, oh, I guess I'm not. Okay, so I'm still alive. Here we are. <laughs> um, yeah. So I didn't like that. Yeah. And I hated everyone else, so I guess <laughs> I'll just give it to Kenny. Over Weston Cage. Yeah, I think if we're being, like, real. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> if we're being real, I would say that Kenny was a better actor than Weston in this. All right. I dig that. That's cool. Uh, Best dressed. I mean, he's really only in his cop he uniform. He's a cop. Okay. Uh, worst Nicolas Cage scene. That's the, it's the well, last scene. The last scene. It oh, it's the, the final surprise. scene. <laughs> where he does the cool guy walk. He says, Cameras get off that fun. damn phone. <laughs> oh, I'm going to need some new pictures. Love that. Uh, the best Nicolas Cage scene. Um, the first screaming scene. So it's when... He and his partner, yeah, his telling son, Kenny to get down and all that, are telling, yeah, telling him to get down, and it's that whole shootout happening between yeah. the two of them and the terrorist. That okay, that's fair. Uh, best scream. I mean, also that. 
right? Oh, or no, is it's it, the, oh, you killed my son? And my son is dead. <laughs> yeah, that one. He's dead. <laughs> that one. After he's acting like nervous. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was okay, insanity. Yeah, that one. Um, and finally, <laughs> the most nouveau shamanic moment. I don't know. Is it the walk at the end? I think so. It's it's either that or it's something, I don't know, you could give it to something more simple, like when he grabs his son's face or when he hugs Kenny kind of awkwardly. It's probably the walk at the end. It's 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 Ooh. cheesy. Like, I wouldn't call it nouveau shamanic. Right. Or it could be his trying oh, really hard acting to... when he calls his daughter or when he's no, like looking the nervous. nervous. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm going to give it to the nervous. All right. Great. Yeah, that is very Nicolas Cage, that scene. <laughs> Here's an important one for you, Han. Where are we ranking this one? Not high. Not high, she says. This was a bad movie, but we had fun with it. We did. We we enjoyed this similarly to how we've enjoyed some of the other bad ones that weren't bad enough that they were offensive. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't I, know. I'm, I can't think of like the last... Like, what was after Vengeance, a love story? What was after that one? Yeah, what was the movie right after that? Because I feel like that was another one where it was just so bad. Inconceivable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you want to rank it somewhere around Inconceivable. Inconceivable is 68. I feel like we've been ranking a lot of these around the 70 mark lately. Uh-huh. And it's getting pretty clustered around there. Yeah. But it's up to you. Ultimately, you have final say inconceivable was the lifetime movie right that is correct what was vengeance a love story what was that one about yeah that was the one about the rape victim that you absolutely hated and were offended by yeah that's right that's right at the end there right at the bottom hated that so we've got almost 90 movies what was after inconceivable the humanity bureau i would put this around the humanity bureau (laughs) okay let's start there okay so the humanity bureau is number 58. Yeah. Let's put it at 57. <laughs> yeah. 57 is Rumblefish. That's fine. Okay. So <laughs> you want this one at 57. So better than? Yeah. Better than the Humanity Bureau. Okay. So that's going to put this one at 58. Oh. What's at 56? Snowden. Um, yeah. After Rumblefish. Before okay. the Humanity Bureau. Okay, so between Rumblefish and the Humanity Bureau, this one's going to become number 58 it's out of great. 80, uh, 8. I think that's pretty generous. I think me. so too. I mean, this one's a hard one to rank because it is so much fun Nothing to make fun of. Nothing makes any sense, but he does a lot of things that were enjoyable. Oh, absolutely. So next weekend, I have some good news for you we are watching a highly rated movie uh it's a 91 percent on rotten tomatoes Whoa. not sure if you've heard of it it's called teen titans go to the movies fuck. it is a 91 percent. can you believe that fuck you this might be a really good no. like kids movie do i have to watch the spider-man movie right after no how many after i don't know i get a break from animated hey Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is like an incredible animated movie. But I've already seen it. <laughs> God damn. You just made like a lot of enemies, I think. People love that movie. No, that's a good movie. Um, I'm sure Teen Titan. I mean, nine, yeah, like 91% is impressive. 
<laughs> you just hear the despair in your voice. I'm like rubbing my eyes. When uh, I say that. You get a one movie break in between animated movies. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Um. Cool. Can't wait. Great. I will give you a brief rundown next week on some Teen Titans stuff. Oh, I need like backstory. Nah, you don't need backstory. I don't think. What what type of rundown then? Uh, there's some interesting stuff with what happened in terms of the animation style of Teen Titans because it changed dramatically over it's the years. It's weird, isn't it? It's it's weird. It's a very like I um, seeing commercials dynamic animation for style for this movie, whereas it used to be pretty wow adult. Yeah, I remember seeing previews at the movies yep. for this movie yep there was a big push for this and one. i do remember thinking oh that doesn't look that bad yeah i mean it looks like a pretty standard kids movie to be yeah. honest with you cool cool and a non like pixar movie right yeah yeah which is i mean it's hard to compete these days sure very cool very cool very very cool Two eleven. Two eleven. Two eleven and done there we go they say it once and that's always my favorite part of every movie when they tie in the title. Yes. It's when you know the movie's good. It's when they mention the title in the movie. Unless yeah. it's someone's name or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've had plenty of movies on this podcast where we go, why is it called that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's nice when they tell you. Yes. <laughs> I mean, especially for movies like this. Where you're like, what does that mean? I thought that yeah. 911 was the number for the police force. <laughs> And on that note, yeah. remember, we yeah. will always be here for you through Nick and Thin. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care. Freak out. Freak out.